Warning, this podcast involves discussions of a spooky and graphic nature not suitable for children or the faint of heart. Strong language and mature content is present. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you. We on that haunted ground The three spooked girls Hey there spooksters and welcome back to another episode of Three Spooked Girls. I am your co-host Jessica and as always I am joined by my favorite gal pal Tara. Hey spooksters. Today we are finishing up our series of JFK. It's our part three, like we talked about last time. It's one of those cases that we were like, oh, we could do this in a one-parter or a two-parter, and then it like (laughs) turned into a three-parter. I guess it's a good thing because like you and I like go down the research and there's we try to keep as much like just what's relevant and a lot of times Mm -hmm. that's a lot of shit. So Yeah. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) I like it. Me too. Anyway. With that, you can find us on all the social medias. We are on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You said Instagram already. Oh, well, my bad. (laughs) She really (laughs) wants you to follow us on Instagram, okay? I do, because (laughs) if you know anything about our Instagram, we have these really fun highlights on our Instagram page that tell you about a lot of stuff that you guys ask questions about, like what's our PO box, patron stuff, all of that can be found there. Speaking of Patreon, um, if you want to help support the show, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com backslash three spooked girls or in the link tree below. You can click the link to go over there. For little as a dollar gets you extra content, an extra bonus episode a month. It goes up from there. Two dollars and up gets slaughters. So you end up getting three extra episodes a month. If you are a five dollar and up patron, you end up getting four extra episodes a month, which includes Tara's amazing haunted grounds, which is a video content. Ten dollar and up patrons get to select a topic that we dedicate to them. So you have a dedicated episode. And with our Patreon, like we also do like once a month little live event. So really five dollar and up patrons. You get a lot of extra bonus content a month, mm-hmm. for sure. And speaking of Facebooks, we do have a fantastic Facebook group that is amazing and is full of extra fun content and discussion posts. If you are interested in talking about what we're talking about on the podcast and interacting with other spooksters, you can definitely head over to our Facebook group, which is Three Spooked Girls Official. And every episode has a thread in there so you can go in and, you know, put what you want always be polite, but like, (laughs) you know, be nice. (laughs) Yeah. And if you don't know already, and you haven't both Tara and I have TikToks, Tara's TikTok is amazing. You should definitely go check it out. It's in the link tree below. She does some really fun, amazing things. So if you're always looking for like true crime content on the daily, should definitely check that out. I'm a bit more sporadic. I I don't sit down and video myself very well. So but Tara's TikToks are absolutely fantastic. So you should definitely check them out. And now we're going to take a small promo break and we will be back in just a moment. Well, hi there. I'm Kayla, the host of Strikes My Fancy podcast. Have you ever wondered why we dream? Maybe you're struggling with your mental health and you need some guidance. 
or perhaps you just enjoy listening to people chat about things they love. Strikes My Fancy has all of that and more. With rotating series and new and exciting guests in each episode, I keep it fresh, entertaining, and educational. Come explore with me and discover what it is that strikes your fancy. You can find my show on strikesmyfancy.podme.com or Apple, Spotify, pretty much anywhere that you listen to podcasts. I look forward to you being a part of my journey. Well, welcome back from that promo break. We hope you enjoyed it and maybe check out some of the shows that we highlighted this week. Um, And then we're just going to get right into talking about conspiracies dealing with JFK. Yay! Okay, so I'm going to talk about six different conspiracies. And I'm going to tell you something. There are a lot of conspiracies out there and they range from anything from like the driver did it to Black Dog Man. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about them. So buckle up. The first one I want to talk about is the Umbrella Man because this is a very popular, it's one of the most popular out there conspiracy theories. So it's very popular. It's because on November 22nd, it was a very sunny day. And to a lot of people, it seemed weird that there was a person standing off of like Elm Street near the grassy knoll area with a black umbrella, just like standing there. Um, That is weird. However, being from California and have been in the hot fucking sun, I have occasionally put up an umbrella. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was the only one, but that's fine. This person was said to be one of the closest bystanders to JFK when he was first struck by the bullet. As JFK's limousine approached, the man opened up and lifted up the umbrella above his head, spun or panned it from like east to west, so clockwise, as the president passed by him. Afterwards, because pictures were taken, people were like, who the fuck is this guy with this umbrella? And they started to develop conspiracy theories because... It said that he sat down on the sidewalk next to another man before getting up and walking towards the Texas school book depository. So like, hmm, maybe he's in cahoots. So the early speculation was by these two researchers, assassination research by Josiah Thompson and by Richard Sparga. They were the first ones to notice the series, like the dude in the series of photos. And they're like, ah, they suggested that the Umbrella Man may have been acting not as like the shooter, but as a signaler. So he was like signaling the guy, the go ahead. That's like he raised it up. And then like the rotating was like, fire again type thing. There was a guy out there who had this conspiracy theory that in the umbrella, there was a gun itself. What? Which (laughs) is crazy, kind of. And that he had shot President Kennedy with the umbrella. And there's actually a TV show or a Netflix show called The Umbrella Academy on Netflix right now. Mm -hmm. And it is, from what I could tell from a very quick Google search, Because I was like, why does this keep popping up in articles? It's basically about these five kids who are siblings who go back in time and they're trying to prevent the assassination of JFK and that the Umbrella Man is actually their dad. Oh. And there's also another one that Tara and I have to watch. It's a TV show with James Franco, but that has nothing to do with this. (laughs) It's also about trying to prevent the assassination of JFK. That's crazy about that show because I haven't watched it. But I remember like four or so years ago, I read I was on like Reddit or whatever and reading about this. And they were saying like a theory of like a time traveler, basically. So that's interesting. Hmm. Yeah. So who was this person? Well, he was identified. His name was Louis Stephen Witt. 
He was at Dealey Plaza the day of the assassination, not to kill him, but to heckle him. Oh. Right. His umbrella was a curious accessory choice for the sunny day, he admits. But it was to, basically, it wasn't even like a fuck you to JFK. It was kind of like a fuck you to Joe. Papa Joe. Mm. Basically, because he was part of the whole, like, remember when Joe was the U- U.S. ambassador to England? Uh-huh. And he didn't take Winston Churchill's, like, advice and, like, his thought process, but he was going with Neville Chamberlain, who was, like, slow and wanted the appeasement of Hitler. So, basically, apparently Chamberlain carried a fucking black umbrella. So, this was his big fuck you to JFK, to JFK's dad, to basically the whole family. And then I was like, at first I was like, how would we know this? Mind you, we don't even find out all of this stuff until 1978. Oh my God. Right. So like way over a decade later. Yeah. Basically, he was saying by waving the black umbrella, which was Chamberlain's trademark fashion accessory, Witt said that he was protesting Kennedy's family appeasement of Adolf Hitler prior to World War II. The umbrella had been used in cartoons in the 1930s to symbolize such appeasement and Chamberlain often carried the umbrella. Now, I was like, how the fuck would Kennedy know this? But apparently, JFK had written a thesis when he was at Harvard called Why England's Slept. And he most likely would have recognized the symbology because if he'd done all the work, like researching, he probably would have saw the cartoons and probably realized this is what he was doing. So it was a very clever FU. Just there was something more precedent happening to him at the time, which is that he was being murdered. Yeah. But Witt says that I think if the Guinness Book of World Records had a category for people who were in the wrong place at the wrong time and doing the wrong thing, I would be number one in that position without even a close runner up. <laughs> Literally. Oh my God. So it's like, this guy out there like politically protesting like an army of one essentially protesting and then like when i think about it like the fact that it was like 15 years later that he came out i totally understand because like people needed to heal like if he'd come out right away they would have been like you are part of this right yeah no it makes sense for sure and it really seemed like especially with oswald they were like you killed the president and they did find evidence like they found his like his (laughs) he found his paw prints you can tell i'm a dog mom (laughs) They found his like handprint and like on the window seal and the gun. So it wasn't just like around. It was actually found on things. But like, you know, he was very much picked up and was like, you did this. So with that, that is the Umbrella Man. It has been debunked. People still think that it's not true, that there's like a gun inside the umbrella. When he went before the House Assassination Committee in an attempt to clear his name, he brought the umbrella was like here it is do you see it and they were like okay so it's just an umbrella mind you it's also 15 years later how the fuck do we know it's the same umbrella which is what a conspiracy theorist would say right (laughs) we would live many years after that in fact he didn't pass away until november 17th of 2014 so there was no like weird conspiracy theory with him like being murdered or anything afterwards wasn't like a oswald situation Which kind of brings me into my next one, which is the single shot slash magic bullet, not the blender, conspiracy theory. (laughs) I googled magic bullet and (laughs) the blender popped up. I was like, oh, not what I meant, but okay. One of the big things that led people to think that there was like a second shooter involved in this is that they found three bullet casings. And at first they found they had three wounds, right? Which was... The neck shot, Governor Connolly being shot, 
and then his headshot at the end, which they were like, okay, three bullet casings, three shots, Oswald did this. But then when they really started looking into it, and really it was the Warren Commission who, because of all of these things lining up, I mean, let's put it this way. The biggest issue that everyone had with could Oswald have done this was the timing of it because it came down to like 6.2 seconds or something like that in like how fast the shots went off, like the boom, boom, boom. Eventually they would look at it again and realize that it was probably a lot more spaced out. It went from like, could someone with his skills, because we Tara mentioned earlier, he was a marksman, a sharpshooter on his best day, like very low sharpshooter on his best day, but like average marksman. How could he have made these shots so fast? And could this gun actually make these shots? And the truth is, is that... They had like the sharpshooterist of the sharpshooterist do it on this like track like CBS did it. They like built a tower. They built a track. It was really cool looking. And they had these marksmen do this. And it took this guy like two or three times to hit the target, like the cantaloupe or the target or whatever it was. So with that, they were like, there's no way that Oswald did this with the nerves and the panicky, especially those three shots. Well, then there was a theory about the magic bullet, which really, if you know anything about bullets, isn't really anything about a magic bullet. I'm going to be real. I know very little about actual, like, I know how to shoot guns. I know how to load. Tara knows where I grew up. I grew out in the middle of nowhere. And it wasn't for protections against humans. I grew up in the foothills, like right near foothills. So there oftentimes were like things like mountain lions that could try to attack our livestock. So I had to know how to shoot off a gun, not necessarily kill an animal. I don't want you to think I was doing that, but like to startle the other animal away. But my dad really wanted us to know how to properly use a gun. Mm-hmm. So with that, I knew how to use his guns. But one of the things I do understand is something about hollow point bullets, which is that hollow point bullets go into whatever it's hits and then expands and blows out. And really, this was explained to me by a friend of mine because she was talking about why her husband put hollow point bullets in their gun. And it was because in case of like a home invader and like she had to protect herself, she didn't want to like shoot through the home invader and accidentally kill her husband. Right. Knowing that these weren't hollow point bullets that he was using, they were three centimeter long, which is like one and a half, 1.2 inches Copper jacket, lead core, 6.5 by 50. I don't know how to say this, but they were rifle bullets, right? And they weren't hollow point. So they could travel through a person. So the theory is, is that it went through his neck and then went out because it was traveling so fast. It was a high powered rifle. It went through Kennedy's like upper back through his neck, which you really think about that probably didn't slow it down too much because it was like not necessarily like bone bone right but then it went into governor Connolly. it hit his ribs and poofed out his ribs like blew out his ribs and then went out through his wrist and then into his leg so it had the power behind it to do that now a lot of people thought this isn't possible because they looked for the longest time they were looking at this like there's no way this could happen because if he was sitting in a traditional car he would have been right in front of him on the same level. But the difference is, is that Connolly was on the jumper seat, which was a foot and a half in front of the president, but it was also moved in to the left, if that makes sense, because they were on the right side of the car. So it was more like he was down and over. 
And I watched this documentary. It's called, and it'll be on the sources page. It was on Hulu. It's called The Lost Bullet. It's on Hulu right now. I don't know if it will be on forever because it was one of those, like, they aired for President's Day. But I've I've seen this and it's actually this guy by the name of Larry Strudovin. 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 Let's call him Larry. He is a physical science and wound ballistics expert. Which I was like, that's impressive. And basically what he did is in this documentary called The Lost Bullet, what they do is they walk through every single shot that was taken to have the one shooter. And on Elm Street, there's an X where the final, like the the fatal shot was like where JFK was when the fatal shot happened. So it's marked. It's there. So they basically dug through all the footage. The really great thing about it is they have all of this footage that's there. Abraham Zapruder. They take his film and they actually like basically clean it up and digitize it and make it like really crystal clear, which is what we now see in a lot of documentaries. That and it's fucking graphic as hell. I'm gonna be honest, if you don't like headshots, and I don't mean like this is my headshot, give me an acting job. I mean like if you don't like Call of Duty, Battlefield, that kind of shit with the headshots, don't watch it because it's just in there or just be able to flinch a lot. So basically when they do that, they line up the shot perfectly from the window with like a laser and they have a car that's like the replica. It's in the same color. It's They have someone who is the height and weight of JFK, someone who is the height and weight of Jackie O, everyone in the car and they do the laser And when they do it, they hit it right where it enters JFK through the back. And then they just kind of like nudge the actor over and then they take it straight out of where it would hit. And it goes right into where it went on Connolly. So there is this concept that the first bullet that hit JFK was the second shot, not the first one that hit his neck and his back. And then the second one that hit Connolly. Now Connolly has come out. He told the Warren commission, he's talked till he's blue in the face that he believes that he was hit by a completely separate shot. The bullet that hit him never was in JFK. I mean, they've logistically proven that it was. So then the second one, they did line up the shot for the head wound and it worked. They could line it up. So it's plausible that that happened. So then they're like, well, there's three shell casings. Well, the really cool thing about this documentary is they start piecing together all these different video recordings and then people's testimonies. And they got this guy who basically was a teenager who was like the smartest fucking person out there. Like he heard the first gunshot and dude like dropped behind the cement like pillar he was behind. I was like smartest guy in the whole area because everyone else was just like, ooh, gunshot. Let's watch watch the president because again most people thought it was the firecracker i'll say that but he was like oh no that's a gunshot and he dropped his ass down but he saw the gun like he saw the gun in the window and he's actually the reason why they went into the building he told the police officer there's a gun up there yeah so smart teenager Mm -hmm. and it was interesting because like at that point in this documentary he hadn't actually talked to anyone since like 1967 like he refused to talk to the press or anything but he was like i'm willing to help with this and they basically recreated shot for shot like how this all happened like they realized that for years they had thought that the motorcade turned that 
JFK's car was like in the the lane that he was shot in. But when he turned, according to a video that saw it, he was actually in the middle lane. So the first shot, what they think happened is that it hit the light as in like the traffic light, the actual part, not the pole. Because when they went back later to recreate it, you could see that there was a piece missing. And they think what happened is that it went through the sign and hit the ground and then like part of it, it hit the asphalt and that a ricochet hit him because he did say, I think I've been shot. And if he hit the first shot, hit him in the neck, there's no fucking way he said that out loud because like it's not happening. Yeah. And then it is that the third shot was the head wound. So I don't think this is so much a conspiracy theory. I know that some people think that there was like an ice bullet because they were like the bullet just disappeared because that was the thing. They had three shell casings, but only two bullets. So they're like, where the fuck did it go? Some people would be like, it just fucking disappeared. And I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Bullets just don't disappear. Right. So this is a good way that like, science and experts like Larry knew what he was fucking talking about and like he took the time and he tested it. He's actually in several documentaries that I've watched where they've referenced him and like how this could happen and he backs it up with science but like it literally went through so much so much it went through I mean and as far as the body like this is what it went through so thinking about it this way it went through 15 layers of clothing, seven layers of skin, and approximately 15 inches of muscle tissue, a tied necktie knot, and it removed four inches of rib and shattered a radius bone. It's one bullet. But this happens. It wasn't a hollow point. I mean, I've seen bullets where, like, you know, they take the full bullet out of someone, Mm -hmm. like, out of their skull because it just stopped. Mm -hmm. But it's still intact. Like, it never did anything. And they did say that, like, they were like, but this bullet is pristine, so there's no way it was ever fired. Because, like Tara said, it was found in, like, you know, his hospital gurney bed of Connolly. Because what they think happened is when it lodged in his leg, it didn't lodge in his leg. It, like, came out in his pants. Yeah. Because it was only in there, like, two inches, but it was, like, quite long. So with that, they took it to a jeweler. And the jeweler was like, no, this was actually, this is damaged. Like, this isn't, like, pristine it's been damaged so i was like oh that's cool now we have to talk about the goddamn grassy fucking knoll which is one of the biggest conspiracy theories is that there was a shooter or a shooters on the grassy knoll which every time i think of this i think of zoolander (laughs) when they're like explaining like how they've trained male models to like kill throughout history and then like they just like stand up and give each other a high five and run off Mm -hmm. okay first and foremost this particular area wasn't exactly like it's the word I'm looking for. Deserted? Like, there were people around. Hella people. You know, Tara mentioned the family that, like, had the two kids. They were basically there. They were the grassy knoll people. But according to the Helion Journal, a new analysis or a newish analysis of the video footage of the shooting debunks the long-held conspiracy that JFK was shot by a second gunman on the grassy knoll. Basically, what it is, is the trajectory of the bullet, the way that there was, like, an entry wound and then an exit wound, it couldn't have come from that direction. And I get why people thought this, because when you watch the video, when he gets, like, the final, like, headshot, he, like, moves different than you would, like, than I would think would happen. He moves, like, back and to the left. Again, I don't know how bodies are supposed to react to being shot in the head. Like, that's not something I have firsthand knowledge of. Right. But I will share a couple of theories that come with, you know... The grassy knoll people, which is the first one, which is called the badge man. 
and it's given to an unknown figure that is repeatedly visible within the famous Mary Mormon, and it's Mormon, not like Mormon, the famous Mary Mormon photo. Some theorize that the figure is a sniper firing a weapon at the president from the grassy knoll. In 1982, Gary Mack, he was a curator and an archivist for the Sixth Floor Museum at the Dealey Plaza, which was the former Texas school, because it's like a museum there now. He was the first person to be like, that's the badge man. And that Mac visually interprets an ununiformed police officer can be seen standing behind like a fence, like a stockard fence, with his face obscured by a muzzle flash. And that there was like, you could see the badge on him. So basically he's saying is that a member of the Dallas Police Department or close to there shot Kennedy. This is not true. Yeah. That didn't happen. There's also another theory called the Black Dog Man. And basically it's that someone was dressed up like a black dog and was like on the fence as like a retaining wall and was there. But it just turned out to be like a young couple who was eating lunch and like they were like looking over the fence and it's in shadows and shit. So it's just like this fam, like this young couple and their kids. <laughs> so, but like that was, to me, that was my favorite one for the, the grassy knoll one was to be like, uh, there was a dude who decided to dress up like a dog. I'm like, oh God. <laughs> Okay, this is Tara's favorite conspiracy theory because it makes us both giggle so much. So there is a conspiracy theory. Okay, so when you look at the fact that like, you know, Oswald was considered a socialist or a Marxist or communist and really he had been seen while he was in like New Orleans, he was actually giving out information on these ideologies and There are famous pictures of him doing this. They have been in like every single fucking documentary out there. Well, in 2016, during the presidential campaigns, it was leaked that Senator Ted Cruz's father was linked to Oswald. According to a very famous political tweet or said or whatever, is that Oswald and now Pastor Rafael Cruz, was seen having breakfast together. Now, if you look at the fucking picture, which I did provide a picture, was not the case. The man in question, they're standing out, they have pamphlets in their hand. This has not been confirmed. Now, the whole thing is, is that, like, at first, Senator Cruz and his family didn't come out and go, like, that's not true. I mean, I think there's, like, some ridiculous things that happen, like, when Ted Cruz... I mean, let's face it. This is really funny to us because Ted Cruz keeps popping up throughout true crime history. And, like, he was the fucking Zodiac killer before, like, three years before he was born. Oh, God, yeah. And now his father is part of the conspiracy to kill JFK, which is really funny. And not really funny, but I would say that, like, Pastor Rafael Cruz has taken this in stride. He makes jokes like, yes, I killed JFK. Like, you know, didn't you know? Oh, my God. Um, Because it's absurd. He didn't kill him. Right. And the person in the photo has not been confirmed to be him. Also, it was the National Enquirer. That broke that story. (laughs) Okay, like, side note dream. I would love to write for the National Enquirer. Because you could just make up whatever fucking shit you want. And they call it real. Right. Literally, I was looking at stickers the other day. And they had, like, this whole sticker thing about Bat Boy. Because do you remember Bat Boy? Oh. 
Oh my God, he was like famous. Google him sometime. It's I like will. he was on the National Enquirer like all the time. Hmm. It was about a boy who was part bat. Oh. I don't know much more because <laughs> my parents wouldn't buy me the National Enquirer because to quote them, that that is just trash. <laughs> I mean, they're not wrong. <laughs> they're not wrong, but like think about how fun it would be to write that kind of nonsense. Oh man. Which also like brings me to the fact that like, cons- okay, like the thing with conspiracy theories, like I want to point this out, is that you like conspiracy theories most of the time can't be proven. So they're just like what everyone wants to say. Like, I want to say this. So therefore it's true. Just because you say it or you believe it doesn't make it true. Like, I want to believe that eating ice cream does not give me any calories and I don't have to work out afterwards. That's <laughs> not the case according to life. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we couldn't do this episode without mentioning this particular conspiracy theory because, like I said, Ted Cruz was linked to being <laughs> the Zodiac Killer. He just keeps popping up for us. <laughs> right? Like, okay, guys, I want everyone to think about... The conspiracy theory we need to link Ted Cruz to next. It has to be true crime. It can't be vicious. It can't be political. It has to be completely like random. And let's get it on Reddit. Oh my God. Yes. Please, please let us know. Cause I'm like, I'm not going to do it tonight because it'll be super late when we're done. But like, <laughs> I want to Google like all the conspiracy theories he's linked. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, as far as I know, there's only two. It's his dad yeah. killed, helped kill JFK and like he's the Zodiac killer. Oh, my God. This is so funny. Honestly, like, can we just all of a sudden be like, he actually is the one who killed Andrew Borden? <laughs> and like, <laughs> and Ted Cruz is actually the first person to walk on the moon. <laughs> Put your political things aside, like. That's not what this is about. This is just hilarious because they're, they're like obviously these fabricated lies. Yeah. And they're just oh, fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so the next one we have to talk about could carry some weight and some gumption. We're going to be talking about did the mob kill JFK? Like we talked about prior, Tara talked about it, I talked about it, is the fact that JFK and his brother Bobby were cracking down on the mafia and the Teamsters. And they were really like the whole issue with the Cuban, the failed, basically that whole liberation, like to get rid of Fidel Castro. The Bay of Pigs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like the fact that it didn't work and there were (laughs) like the mafia had issues with it because they had casinos that were like on that Island that they couldn't do shit with. Mm -hmm. And basically this is one of the other reasons why there was like the behind the the scenes. They were like, okay, you guys go in and like assassinate him because we understand you're good at assassinating people. Mm. And then we can open it up and you can have your casinos be like effective because the casinos were closed down on the Island uh, on Cuba. So basically the theory is that they were targeting Robert Kennedy But the opportunity to kill JFK was just too good to pass up because, you know, Bobby wasn't out doing the same things, wasn't as public. You know, he was working. He was back trying to figure out another way to, like, catch these guys, you know, and JFK was out and in public. And this is, you know, it is a mafia stereotype that the way they get to people is they get to you through your family. And so with this, there has been a creative story around it or a story created around it, I should say. And it's on like legit websites, guys. Like we're talking history.com and like the mafia museum. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, no, no. For real. Like, and just really think about it. Like, 
with Papa Joe's links and all of that, and then, like you said, Bobby, it's just, it's very plausible, for sure. Because you have to look at, like, the timing of this, too, because, like, Mm -hmm. yes, they really started, like, cracking down on them. Like, Papa Joe had a stroke in 61 and, like, lost the ability to talk. Mm -hmm. So he's no longer giving his sons these advice. Right. And they're just doing what they want to do. Mm -hmm. You know, which is why they are moving forward in the areas that they're moving forward. And I mean, as far as a conspiracy theory, this makes sense. Oh, yeah, for sure. I feel like this should be just labeled more as a theory versus a conspiracy theory, to be totally honest with you, you know? Right. It's not that far-fetched at all. So, yeah. So we'll get there. So (laughs) basically theorists, conspiracy theorists or theorists, suggest that the mafia and if we remember from the time before, a guy named Hoffa, I believe his name was James Hoffa. Yeah, Jimmy Hoffa, that he conspired to kill the president. It's either on Hulu or on YouTube. It'll be on the sources page. It basically, it's ta- it talks about this and they look at it from like, you know, JFK was friends with Sinatra and Sinatra is famously known to rub elbows mm-hmm. with mobsters and gangsters. And like, that was just his world. And that's fine. Like, I have no judgment. Like, you stay over there. I'll stay over here and just be a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> but, you know, like, so I think what they kind of thought was going to happen, what I've kind of concluded is they thought JFK would become president and then he would stop the whole like attacking them thing but then he like Bobby was like I'm gonna take you the fuck down I think a lot of it has to do with like the whole like sins of my father thing like I can't sit by and let this continue even if this exposes my dad right like the way I look at it is there was no way that Bobby Kennedy didn't know that his father had rubbed elbows with these people he knew his dad probably was like you need to stop fucking talk like pushing that person because what if he outs me which then takes away the whole legitimacy of your family but bobby kennedy was like i'm gonna fucking fight for this basically in the late 70s a former new york city police detective and mafia expert ralph sonoro was a consultant investigating whether or not the mob was involved with the jfk killing and this happened to be with the house assassination committee and basically he reviewed thousands of pages of electronic surveillance of organized crime leaders all over the united states and looked and was basically trying to see what was happening around the time of the assassination and the final report says that the national syndicate for organized crime as a group was not involved with the assassination of president kennedy the available evidence does not preclude the possibility that individual members may have been involved so there's a movie out i have not seen it because i heard it was long but now i'm like super want to watch it it's called the irishman with Robert De Niro. And basically what I've gathered is that the Buffalino family and Jimmy Hoffa orchestrated JFK's and Robert Kennedy or Bobby Kennedy's assassinations to prevent basically their criminal activities from being hindered. So according to Frank the Irishman Sheeran, he claimed that there was this big conspiracy amongst mafia members to assassinate JFK in November of 1963. And then they were going to look for opportunities to kill Bobby, but it was basically to destroy him. Because I could see where they would think like if they killed JFK, then Bobby's just going to stop what he's doing out of grief. However, they didn't think that he would eventually run for president or office. Right. Basically, the hit was sanctioned by Teamster boss Jimmy Hoffa to target the Attorney General Robert Kennedy's crime task force. Basically, it's that Jimmy Hoffa gave 
the okay to do this. And then Sheeran says that Lee Harvey Oswald was a nobody that they hired to do the job. Basically, they lured him in by a big payday. They were like, if you do this, we're going to give you a lot of money. We're going to pay you off. We're going to hide you, blah, 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 that kind of shit. And that the mafia in Dallas was led by Jack Ruby because he had some like questionable, he had a very questionable background. Like he actually was like kicked out of Chicago. And because of that, they think that Ruby was basically, I mean, if you look at the like the photos of Oswald, like while he was in jail, those couple of days, every time they're moving him, every time like you just see like videos, Ruby is there. He's in like numerous photos. This is what the theory that I've read and come across several times and heard is that basically that they found Oswald. He was looking to score because he was broke. I mean, he was getting $33, but he needed more than that. You know, he was mad about the whole, like he had his whole other set of issues with his beliefs and whatever. And they basically like hyped him up. Like, yeah, if you do this, we'll pay you. We'll take care of you. You'll become somebody with us. Like you're going to be taken care of. You're fine. And so he was like, cool. And then the whole thought is, is that Jack Ruby was actually contacted that when Oswald got away, Jack was supposed to go just like take him out. I'm pretty sure to make it look like an accident that like he did it. But it backfired because the cops caught Oswald because he killed a cop. Like that wasn't part of it. So he kills the cop. He gets caught. Then they're like, fuck, what do we do? So then they say that Jack basically bribed a cop to get close to him. And then that's how we got so close to shoot him because he was very, very close and he had a gun. So that's the mob version of that. It's really intriguing to me, for sure. It is. There's a documentary. It will definitely be on the sources page. It is worth the watch because it does a much better outlining job than I did because it's like an hour and something. And I'm like, I don't have an hour and something. (laughs) Tara would murder me. Yeah. (laughs) So we're going to get into my last part of this, and that is going to be, did the assassin's attempt to kill JFK lead to a Secret Serviceman accidentally shooting the injured president? (gasps) So there's this, there's a docudrama, which I love, but still pissed about right now because I searched high and low for this thing, but apparently didn't search Amazon Prime. And so I found it on YouTube and I paid the three fucking 99 to rent the damn thing and then was like, oh... You can watch it on Amazon Prime if you just want to watch ads, <laughs> or you can rent it, but whatever. <laughs> I'm not bitter. It's fine. Basically, what it is, is that it is the story of a veteran Australian detective by the name of Colin McLaurin, who basically finds this book written by Howard Donahue. Howard actually passed away in 1998, 1999. Howard Donahue was the person who like made all of like the math and the science behind it. But the book was written in 1992 by Bonner Minganer, which is called The Mortal Error, The Shot That Killed Kennedy. And basically, Colin comes in and is like, this is a really good book. The science behind it is really good. And Colin is actually like pretty well known in Australia for busting like big time drug rings and shit like that. So it's not like he's just some guy who just doesn't know how to investigate. Like he literally knows how to investigate. So we've talked a lot about the Warren Commission report, which is 888 pages. Now, Howard Donahue read every single fucking page of this and started to like question things because he was actually like involved in this. And I would recommend watching this. I really, really would. Because the theory is basically, I'm going to synopsis it for you and then I'll talk a little more, is that shot one rang, then shot two rang, 
shot two and three rang. But what happened is, is that the car in the front stopped. The car behind the president, like we talked about with Clint last time, is that he was on that car and then ran to the president's car. Is that the Secret Service, a Secret Serviceman by the name of George Hickey, basically stood up in the back seat with an AK-15 and, or sorry, an AR-15 stood up and then the car suddenly stopped and he like fell down. And the theory is, is that when he fell down, like in that process, he like disengaged the safety because the gun was like cocked, ready to load it. It just had the safety on. And that when he did that, he fired the gun. And then that shot is what killed Kennedy. Because it was like he'd already been bent, like he was already kind of leaning forward because of the whole throat thing and whatnot. So with that, it really goes into it. It really like dives down. This is like as far as a conspiracy theory, like a conspiracy theory documentary. Well, it's a docudrama. I love docudramas. Tara knows this. I love reenactments of things. It makes me think I'm watching the History Channel. (laughs) (laughs) And basically the premise is is that like 75% of Americans still refuse to believe that the official story that John F. Kennedy died by Lee Harvey Oswald. Just as like that he did it by himself. And this is like, for me, this is one of those like theories that like I actually could buy into because we're talking like split seconds, things are happening. And what they they think is that George, according to like to 11 people, if not more, said is that he had the gun in his hand already by the time they went through the under the underpass, which was like just mere seconds. They think what happened is he actually stood up and had seen Oswald or saw the gun and was because he was like, they said he was like waving the gun around, that he was like trying to find him and that he saw him. But then because the car just like the way it happened, and it makes sense, like guns can be touchy. You could like if you're holding a gun ready to go, ready to fire, then you would jump into action. Like you have to look at the fact that like, yes, according to Texas, there had to be an autopsy, but the FBI, the Secret Service, they were like, we got to go. But they did do a coroner's report. And the coroner's report, according to the Warren Commission, does not match the autopsy done at Bethesda. Like one of the main things is that the coroner says there was a brain and the Bethesda Naval Hospital autopsy says there's no brain. Mm-hmm. And that everything that during the autopsy, it wasn't like how when an autopsy happens, And like, if I were to die, my autopsy would be a guy in a room by himself doing my autopsy, maybe one other person there. We're talking colonels and secret service agents and FBI agents and CIA agents and like everything you can think of his personal like physician was there. And every single thing that the doctors did was turned over to the secret service. The films they took, every single thing like that, all of that was confiscated. And they say like the one of the doctors who performed in the Warren Commission in the report, it says that he dug pieces of bullet out of the the remaining brain and the head and that he got about 40 pieces of it. So, you know, it's like this is just one of those like really interesting conspiracy theories because the way I look at it like this is imagine if you if that's what really happened and the way that the United States operates is we don't like to show our ass. I mean, whatever. But like, we didn't like to show our ass. And everything was buttoned up and kept really quiet. And it would not have looked good in the American eyes, in the American public, if it came out that Lee Harvey Oswald did not shoot that fatal shot and kill Kennedy. 
That's just it. Like, if it came out that a Secret Service agent accidentally killed the President of the United States, which is like, his whole job is to protect him. It would literally, like, make a lot of people question the real security, like, of the President. It would make them really think of, like, what... I mean, because there was even, like, conspiracy theories that the driver was in on it. That, you know, he... Because he turned around and they were like, oh, he pulled out a pistol and shot the President. That's why the angle is the way it is. It's like looking at it... There were some, there's so many things when you watch this documentary and I'm going to just tell people you should watch it and like form your own opinion about it. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you the synopsis of it because of the fact that like, it's one of those things like I could say it out loud to you, but like they're going to talk about it and they're going to show you diagrams and things like that. And, and I think it's a possibility because there's no real way that we're going to 100% know what actually transpired on November 22nd, 1963. I mean, the other side of it is, is that all the people who were in that area, none of them say I saw this, I saw him pull a trigger or a flash from the gun. But also people at this point in time are looking around and probably not looking at that particular car. There were people who were interviewed for the Warren Commission that gave testimony to seeing this person stand up and sit down. There were people who said that they smelled the scent of gunpowder, but the scent of gunpowder would not have come down from the window upstairs and settled down near where Kennedy was shot. And these were people who were like, one guy was like, I have been hunting, obviously in his like mid 50s when they were interviewing him. And he's like, I've been around guns for like 50 years. I was in the army. I think he was a ranger. He's like, I know guns. I know gunpowder. I've been in war. Like, I know the smell. And there's no way that the gun that was shot in the sixth floor of that building, I smelled gunpowder on the street. So when you have someone who has like that level of expertise be like, this is what happened to me. Should we listen? There were like 11 other people who smelt gunpowder. There were 11 people, or there was like 13 to 14 people who saw George Hickey stand up with the gun. Seven of them were Secret Service agents who that's the report they gave is that he stood up with the gun. He says that he stood up and then cocked the gun. But according to his superior officer, the gun is always ready to go laying on the floor, Mm -hmm. meaning that it was loaded, cocked, ready to... All you had to do was take off the safety. Because if what he was saying is true, that's precious seconds that like they wouldn't be able to react. And the whole reason that gun is there is what if someone was running towards the president with a gun, they have to be able to react like that. So they basically, they wrote the book, The Mortal Error. This guy, like I mentioned earlier, Menninger, because basically Howard Donahue came out in like the eight, like the 70s, eight, like I think it was the 80s and was like, this is my theory. And he thought the world was just going to eat it up. And they were like, and the next on our next segment is we're going to learn how to make cute little bunnies out of napkins. Like it was that kind of shit. Like they just basically like brushed him off. And then they wrote the book. So because of this, and they saw all of the information and Moninger was like, this is amazing. He wrote the book. And they thought, oh, it's going to fly off the shelf. And mind you, while they were doing this, they sent certified letters to George Hinkey's house or Hickey's house saying, we want to talk to you. Like, we want to know your opinion. Like, this is what we're writing. He didn't do anything. And he waited like almost, I want to say, four years to sue them after the book came out in 92. But then I think the book came out in like... 
97, 98 in like a paperback edition. And Hickey decided to sue them then. And basically it was costing these two a fortune. So they just like made an executive decision and like said, nope, I'm not going to continue this. Then Donahue died in 99. Mm. But then this guy, Colin McLaurin, comes in and is like, he's from Australia. He's this famous detective. And he read the book. He read what Donahue had discovered. And he said, I'm going to go into this. And he starts looking at the interviews that were taken in the war, like that were given by like police statements. Like this is like, if you think back to the Lacey Peterson case, the people who contacted the police and the police actually took the time in this case to write them down and interview them and then given over to like the Warren Commission, but they never were called. And they were like vital things where like they were saying like, I smelled gunpowder or I saw this happen. And I mean, and some of it is in Warren Commission where they see like, you know, actually deposed individuals who are saying things that line up. So, I mean, obviously this case, if you Google who killed JFK and you would think that it would pull up immediately and be like... Lee Harvey Oswald. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't. Interesting. I mean, it says, it does say in, if you read farther down, they credit him because that's the story we know. But look at what forensics has brought us in like the last 50, 60 years. I mean, I just did that case a few weeks ago about, you know, it was 67. They had no idea who killed this woman. And then they like find it because of forensics and evidence. And I think it is stupid of us to just close ranks and be like, we can't look at this objectively. Right. But I I see why we wouldn't want to. And honestly, like if this is a true story, let's say this is a theory, but like if it was a true story, imagine George Hickey's life for the rest of his life. Yeah. Like he has to live with this thing that happened. And I definitely recommend watching it. A lot of the, like, if you like history and you like conspiracy theories, a lot of the stuff on our Facebook or on our sources page, I should say, is really, like, obviously it's history driven. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. There's a lot of good stuff to check out. I mean, some of it's wackadoodle. Like, (laughs) the fact that a guy dressed up like a dog man to kill the president, like, that's insane. In a, in a way, like, I'm really glad we did this case because mm-hmm. it's such a daunting undertaking because of the fact that, like, when you think of famous presidents, you think George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, JFK, Ronald Reagan. Like, these are, like, big names that, like, are internationally known. Yeah. Not everyone's going to know Gerald Ford. Like, not everyone's going to know who that is. Yeah. People should because it was, like, during the time of media. But, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I get what you're saying. But... I mean, I learned a lot, especially about, like, the history of his family, that there are some wackadoodle ideas out there, (laughs) but it was really enjoyable to do. Yeah. It's obviously very different than what we cover normally by a long shot, but it was really cool to dive into the history aspect of it and all of that. And just for me, it's just it's one of those topics like I knew, but I didn't know. No. So I am really interested in it now as far as this goes. So, yeah. Well, that wraps up the episode we did on JFK. We really hope you enjoyed it. It was a lot of interesting information. I mean, I had known the story and I had watched a couple documentaries before, but I was so glad to be able to take a deep dive into a a historical element, kind of a true crime historical element in our country. And so we hope you enjoyed it and maybe learned something because history is a great subject to always be learning. Yeah. Totally. And with that, we will see you back here on Thursday for another episode. Bye, guys. Bye.